I was in your 20s, you, you care about what everyone thinks. In your 30s, you don't care about what anybody thinks. In your 40s, you realize that no one cared in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> so, so, like, true. stop, yeah. hit yeah. record, mm -hmm. go stand in your best self, and go do it. Hello, world, and welcome back to the Millennial Outliers podcast. I am your host, Justin Deal, with my co host, Tyler Ardron. What's up, Ty Guy? What's going on, brother? Not too much. We are back with another special guest today. I have a good friend of mine, uh, Carl Eppolito. Uh, Carl and I have connected. We've known each other for a little while now, mm -hmm. but we've really gotten to know each other, I'd say, over the last like year or two. And, you know, I admire him for a lot of different reasons. One, just his consistent faith. Two, we're going to get into some parenting things. I really respect the way he raises his daughters and goes about it as you know, a divorced single father. And three, I'm a new client of his, so he helps me with all. He's going to be starting to help payday with our branding and our social media. So you're going to see a lot of good things. So we'll steal a couple tips from him there as well. But Carl, welcome to the podcast, brother. My man, look, I, I received that. I appreciate those compliments a lot. And um, I think if you're going to get known for three things, being known for your faith, being known for your your parenting and being known for you know who you are professionally, third, uh, I'll take that order, man. So hey, I appreciate man, you having me here. For. Yeah. For sure. So, so why don't you kick it off? Let's let's start with the faith piece, right? Okay. Because you've been uh, such a big advocate and a big influence for me. So where did that begin for you? And you do such a great job of balancing it on social media of people knowing that it's who you are. It's not this like image that you're just trying to portray. So mm. you know, give us a little bit about that, the, the authenticity of it. Yeah, that's a great. I think that's a great question because the authenticity piece, especially with the Christian faith. Um, is it's hard because you should be proud of your faith. And when you're proud of your faith, you want to exemplify the things that exemplify a good Christian. And a lot of times we think that means perfect behavior. And we're not perfect. We're so far from it. Mm -hmm. And the expectation is never that we are perfect either. And biblically, that isn't the expectation. I think in the societal terms, when people think and they hear of what it means to be a Christian, they just think of, there's a very specific image that they think of. Now, for me, like I was born and raised in the Catholic Church. I was an altar server up until it was definitely not cool. Um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I think I think a lot of like adults that find their faith later in life, I, goodness, I give them so much credit. Because I didn't have to find mine, I, I was I was just, I was raised with it, mm -hmm. and then I've I've asked a ton of questions as, as I've gotten older, but that baseline was always there. To really uh, understand, grasp, and accept what we believe as Christians as an adult with so many things that you've already accepted is a, is a huge step. And I my I, all the applause in the world, especially for for people that have later in life been like. And this is what I believe in because you've just had so much pouring against you to believe in that. So I was I was always raised with it, raised around it. We went to church every Sunday, but I had zero relationship with it. So I had religion. I had no relationship with God. So long story longer. And unfortunately, Justin knows that I'm winded. <laughs> I went through went through a, a big divorce. And again, just never questioned my faith. Um, and then uh, it was Valentine's of 20, 2020, and my best friend's dad passed away. Um, now, think about your best friend from childhood. I mean, so my buddy and I, you know, Austin and I have known each other since the day that we were born. And 
if you think about your best friend's parents, you've known them all your you, life. You have, yeah. but you've known them as a child, mm -hmm. right? So like the way that I know Justin is very different than the way that my, my daughters know him. Yeah. Right. And so Thank while God. I, while I, <laughs> no, so, so earmark that and come yeah. back to it. Ask yeah. me what my daughters think about you later. Cause yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, it would, I don't think that we, we don't, we don't give ourselves enough credit and you definitely don't because they definitely look at you much greater than I think we would look at ourselves sometimes. Anyhow. So you think that you know him, like you, th I'm like, Oh, it's Austin's dad. I've known Jerry my whole life. That's what we think. So he, uh, he battled cancer. He lived, I mean, 12 years longer than they told him he was going to. Wow. So when the day came and he passed away, unfortunately, I thought that I knew this man as good as you could know, know somebody. Sure. And thank God this happened in February of 2020. I mean, six weeks later, we wouldn't have had his funeral. Yeah. And so I fly to Texas and there's 400 people at his funeral. Wow. Now... Yes, you know, was he born and raised kind of in a similar place? Yes. And did he work locally? Yes. But even like That's a lot of people. <laughs> it's like it's like that scene from Social Network. You've seen the movie where I keep mm -hmm. he the the website just launches. I think it was like the Wigglevoss twins make the joke. They're like, I couldn't give if I was a drug dealer, I couldn't give free drugs away to that many yeah, people yeah, yeah, that yeah. quickly, right? It's like he so he fills this church with four hundred people. And I'm just like, goodness. And everybody that went up to speak about him. Were they, were, they were all God stories, meaning he had an impact on my life in a positive way that I'll never forget. And so many of the stories were just God stories, how he either, he was, an, he was a constant example of what it means to be a godly man. Now, I knew him my whole life. He wasn't evangelical. He wasn't on the street corner preaching the gospel. He lived it. And I remember thinking to myself so clearly, if I die tomorrow, I wasn't a bad man. I, I was doing great things. People would tell, they would tell stories about me. They might say that he was philanthropic or he was a good dad or he was a great athlete or he was a good friend. Hopefully my mom would tell him a good son. But nobody would have stood up February of 2020 and said, he made my life better. He introduced me to God. He showed me what it meant to live a Christian life. I had no God stories in my life. And here, and this guy's on his deathbed and he's still, he's still impacting God stories. That's and I'm crazy. like, that is impact. Like it's powerful. I, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, God, I, I can't die. I can't, I can't die today. Like how arrogant am I to think that like at that point in time, what was I, if I'm what, 38, I don't know. So I'm 34. I was like, how arrogant am I to just have wasted 34 years of impacting people's lives the way that I do believe. And especially now that like God intended us to live. And it was so profound just sitting there being like, I, I, God, please let me live longer so I can, I can do what this man did. And, uh, and so ever since living there, I just, one, I started a journey of really understanding my faith. Like, what does it really mean? Like, this is the most historically verified document at all time, meaning the Bible. I mean, it has passed the test of time. Like, so what's, what's actually in here? I had no idea. Like, I, I had, I had no idea that, you know, Paul wrote 13 of the books of the New Testament. I had no idea that Luke was Paul's underst you know, understudy. I, I just, I, there were so many, like, these are real people. Like, if you believe that Julius Caesar existed, which I think almost anyone would believe, yep. he existed before Christ. <laughs> the apostles were real people. Right. Like, 
they're not it's not that's not a make-believe series of events and so i started treating it like that and then i started seeking people to be around me that i think would have been similar to, to who jerry was and then the sequence of events over the last four years have been wild i mean if you it's no it's it's, it's no joke or it's no secret you know seek and you will find it's one of the few things we're truly commanded by god to do and if you would just will start that journey of seeking um and look, you can seek anything, right? You can you can seek, uh, you know, avoiding parts of life. You can seek unhealthy relationships that might feed you from a very flesh and bone perspective. You can seek money without morals. Like so, whatever you're going to seek, you'll find. But if you would truly seek, you'll find it. And that's that's kind of where that's the long version of where this faith journey has led to. Um, and then my, one of my goals has been: Can I have? Like, can I create God stories in people's lives? Again, I don't mean like bringing you to your faith. Yeah. I don't think that's my calling. I don't, that takes a very special person. But I think it's one of my goals is I want people, I want to give especially men permission to, to be outspoken Christians, right? Like I don't, and it does not mean perfection. It doesn't, you know, there, I, I posted a story on my Instagram last night. We got this hill in our backyard and, you know, it's a punishment. You got to go run the hill if you if you do something wrong. Oh, I was telling Ty about yeah, this. I'm sorry, stoked I was like, you Whoa. brought this up by yourself. <laughs> well, I also ran the hill. Yeah. You know, it's like I wasn't yeah. perfect. Like I I was, and we can get into that story. But I was I was imperfect, especially to my daughters. You know, two nights ago, and I, I had to go run that hill. And um, so I'm not perfect by any means, but I do. I want people to know that it's okay to pray before you eat if you're in public. Because it doesn't need to be this massive three-minute prayer where we're laying hands on everyone around us. Those are amazing moments in people's spiritual lives. But I want men to know, like, hey, you can take 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. It's 10 seconds. Hey, Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together. Super blessed to have these people in my life. Let this food nourish our bodies, protect us for this day. Amen. What was that, 12 seconds? Not even. Not even. Yeah, it was like six. So, I mean, that's all you need, though. <laughs> yeah. And that's where it starts. Yep. Um, and that's where, so that's where it started. And it's, I mean, I, and it's crazy because I have endless stories from the last four years of what have happened. Um, it's just kind of been reaffirming that, like, hey, like, keep keep sharing it through actions and not telling people. So, yeah, it's it's been a really cool. Yeah. I love that you brought up the hill because that's where I wanted to transition <laughs> to anyway. So that was one of the other big things, you know. It, so if you followed my journey when I did the rock, Carl was the other one brave slash crazy enough to raise his hand and say, hey, I'll go through that hell with you. And a lot of our bonding, I believe, started in that moment. Um, but we talk a lot when we do our other workouts about parenting. You know, Carl has, as I said, his two girls. I have my four kids. And I like your non-traditional thought of how to kind of parent. So let's talk about first the hill and kind of how you handle punishments and then jump into uh, we discuss a lot with deficiencies and then also what kids are good at and mm -hmm. where we should actually tutor them and invest our time. Yeah, that second one's uh yeah that one's gonna we're gonna go i dig into that, i dig so. my I, I i stand pretty firmly on that second one so the hill um man tell me a story i don't think well, it's that bad no but... so i'm thinking i i <laughs> it's not bad but i do try to take a couple of seconds these these answers are important yeah, one yeah, for your sure. audience two um make sure the message is well, it's right. I also, right. Don't, I, you know, I think I think we talk about this, right? Yeah. There's so many guys that we watch that we see online, 
And after the third, like after 10 videos, you start hearing this, like the same story twice. Yeah. And they're great stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're not authentic stories, but they're canned. Yeah. yeah. I would love to sit some of these guys down and be like, hey, everything's off. Can you like tell me something real? Yeah. Again, it's not that yeah, it's yeah. not real, but mm-hmm. you just. Something very rehearsed. It's you know, not, it's why I yeah. like thinking about some of this stuff because how you answer it matters. So I was parented in a very firm, um, you know, what I say goes, you know, do as I say, not as I do, um, the household. And it definitely came with a very strong iron fist. And that was both figuratively and literally. <laughs> Take that as you wish. What I've learned about being a parent, you know, my daughters were one month between their second and fourth birthdays when their mom and I split. And they were, they were one in three. And uh, I didn't have a strong relationship with my dad. Uh, and so I knew that I wanted my daughters. I wanted us to be close. And I tell every, I tell every dad this. Tell your, tell your daughters that they're beautiful and that you love them. Because if you don't, somebody else will who doesn't mean it. And we don't want your little dusty boys talking to our girls like that. <laughs> but you <laughs> know what they're going to. Else. They're going to. They're going to try. Save that for somebody else. <laughs> and so it was important that my daughters and I had a certain level of respect for each other. Um, our house is a complete, it's completely flat as far as who's in charge. We're in charge. We all live by the same set of rules. All of us. All three of us. And it's been fascinating to watch them take ownership over the rules in the house. They take ownership over the things that are important. We have core values in our house that really matter to all three of us. So one of the core values is effort. And another one of the things that's really important is we don't yell in our house. Now, I'm not perfect, so I raise my voice. They do things that make me raise my voice. They're not responsible for my actions. Think of toxic relationships. Think of abusive relationships. How many times you hear someone might say like, yeah, well, if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. No, no, no. Life's all about data points. Maybe I did do something. I'll own that. doesn't give you the right to then treat me like garbage or do something in return. That's just a reflection of you. And so we also don't curse in our house. We try not to. There's always a better word. And I mean, everyone loves Deion Sanders right now. Deion Sanders has not had a sip of alcohol or said a curse word since he was a sophomore in college. I'm pretty sure if like prime time Deion cannot say a curse word. Yeah. <laughs> why, what, like, why am I so special? And I do, I, I slip up plenty around my daughter. I, I try to be that example. And I definitely don't want to say, hey, you know, do this because I say so. They need to see leadership. And I think men have got to be leaders in their houses. I do, I, I adamantly do not believe enough men are leaders by example in their houses. Like my eight-year-old daughter cannot go out and make money the way that I can. I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not leading by example because it's not even tangible for them to understand work. So anyways, long preface. <laughs> we have this, our backyard has this really... It's a pretty gradual slope down. There's an elementary school right behind us and there's a red bench up against the elementary school. She's gonna grow up hating this red bench. And it's super fun when it snows, you can actually snowboard down our backyard. Um, it doesn't look big until I ran that daggum hill last night. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's got some serious grade and it's, it's hard. And so it's like, look, like if you do things, um, you gotta do five sprints. Mia, at her last soccer practice, 
did not put forth the effort that Epilito's put forth. And our coach was getting on to her. I was, I was about to lose my mind. And one thing that I do as far as parenting is, is I, I way, so I overcorrect on purpose. Like I way over penalize when maybe like the fault wasn't that big mm-hmm. and I go extreme on the penalty because I'm trying to avoid the fault, you know, there being a really big, big mistake. Right. Right. So I, so I, I'm trying to stop it right there. I do the same thing on the positive side. Like they, they do something that's good. Maybe it's a small good. I way over celebrate it. Yeah. So I wanted to show like, Hey, this is the right pattern to go into. That was actually from um, Gary, Vayner, Gary Vaynerchuk said that his mom did that when he was a kid. For holding doors. Holding doors. Things, yeah. Absolutely. She made it at the Super Bowl. And so she earned herself. She earned herself 25 sprints. Oh, mm. I like her thinking about that. <laughs> and you, you either get five, 25 or 50. She, she had 50 last week. I didn't really know. It's not a sprint that will kill you. But I didn't know the gravity of these sprints. And she said, Dad... Um, I, I said, what the fuck, Mia? Like, she's not an effort. Her, her issue is not effort. Like, she's a coachable kid. The reason mm-hmm. she makes the teams that she makes is that it's like everyone loves having her around. So I was like, what the fuck, Mia? So she goes, Dad, like, we don't curse in our house. <laughs> and I was like, fair. Give me I, lost, <laughs> I lost, like, when you're emo- we have a saying in our house, when your emotions win, you lose. Yeah. And that's applicable to everything. My emotions won, I lost. I got a 25, 25 sprints with you. When I tell you I was on four, so, and then every five sprints, they can get a drink of water. They can take a 30 second break and go do five more. When I tell you I was on, I was like, I have all the power to say, hey, we're done doing these sprints. I have all the power to do this. I was like, I'm not doing this. Like, forget this. Like, this is this is a y'all thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and we, so you're running these groups of five sprints and she would like, I'd be beating her in the first three. All five sets of these, she did this. And then like, she just whacks me in the last like one and a half. <laughs> she's got the pace down. And then she's like cheering me on. I'm like, you little <laughs> But these are all great traits, right? Like if yeah. you're leading and you're at practice and someone's struggling, you cheer them on. You, so I'm like, you're exemplifying all the things and you don't even know how humiliating this is. Yeah. So that was a 25 sprint. And I had to run them with her. Yeah. And then I remember telling her like, Mia, why would you, that, that was a thing. I'm like, why would you choose this? You're at practice for 90 minutes anyways. And that 90 minutes isn't half as hard. I'm like, do you know that those sprints are hard? Like, do you enjoy these sprints? And her sister, because she's had to run them before. She goes, no, I hate them. Why do you think I'm not, I don't. It keeps her like, in line. Mia, like those sprints are no, I'm like, do you like this? And she's like, no, I hate it, dad. And I'm like, homie. Like that is a no joke punishment. Like, and I, and, but they saw that I did it. I'll do it if I mess up again, man. But, oh, yeah. So as a, um, as a parent, you know, myself, how did you, um, for parents out there, how did you introduce, you know, this? So from an early stage, we've been a very athletic house, Mm -hmm. sports driven house, um, you know, for better or for worse. Like I know their gene pool is between their mom and I. And Mia's been a ridiculous athlete since the day that she could, like, walk. Um, also, punishments. I spent a lot of time thinking about punishments and rewards. Um, punishments 
there's usually an emotion behind a punishment. There's a reason behind the action. Kids are not great communicators. Well, neither are adults. Yeah, right. <laughs> but a lot of times they are poorly communicating either an emotion, a feeling, something that led to an action. And we recognize that action, so we punish the action. So I try to uncover what led up to the action on that's why we have our, our core values, right? So the core values in our house are everything that you do must be done with either love, kindness, or respect. So if it's not loving, it's not kind, and it's not respectful, you shouldn't do it. Um, if it's only one of those three, we should probably talk about it. And it's allowed me to not be like, hey, this action's bad, and don't do this or do that. Everything just gets judged against that baseline. And it's made parenting a lot more efficient. <laughs> it's just simple. Like, was that loving, kind, or respectful? Okay, no, then we shouldn't have done it. Right. It's not like, oh, well, I could have done it, but this, or I could have done it, but that. Like, no, no, no. It's was a this? very simple yeah. baseline. Mm -hmm. So you have the guardrails. Ex exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, because I only have them half the time. So I'm parenting in this, you know, hard. Right. So again, yeah. like, it just comes back to like loving kind of respectfulness. Um, there are their core values are, um, you know, all the glory goes to God. I am not above him. I, I believe this in my core too. Like I am their earthly father. Like I was, I was entrusted to guide them in this part of life. Right? We're all children of God, and it is my job to guide them in, a, in, a, in an earthly fatherly, you know, fashion. Punishments and consequences for me, they, they, they have. So that, also, if they're honest, they'll never get punished for the action. And that's a hard one because. Hmm. They do things that should be punished. But to me, the trust of them coming to you. Yeah, it's big. Is more important. And we will go fix things together. But I got to know what you did. And we've had we've had a couple of things. They're small, but they're moments of building trust for sure. Yeah. When they were bite sized, you know, smacking them on the wrist had no effect. Nah. Nah, yeah, just not. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, they yeah. laugh. Sometimes they laugh. You're like, what? That doesn't work. Dude, it worked for me. I was mortified. Uh, I was so okay, scared of my dad. Yeah. <laughs> but it, my parents were gentle parents. Mine was too, but hit. he would raise his voice and I'd be like, oh, like he yeah. had that voice that was like. It's some Ralph Deal freak out. We called him. That was about. <laughs> my dad uh, broke shit over me. Like it wasn't. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, but, but, I, but, but here's where it's twisted. You know, he got a lie out of me. Yeah. Right. Like that, and that's where it gets twisted. Well, certain people, you yep. know how they're driven too. Like some of us. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've, I've just honestly, I've thought, I've thought a lot about it. I've paid attention to what makes them tick. I've paid attention. I also, so my daughters are really big on being rewarded for good behavior, and the absence of the reward is what happens with bad behavior. And I have trained them to chase the rewards of the effort that goes behind good behavior. The absence of that, of that fruitfulness is, is is more of a punishment and right. it is honestly they're only eight and ten but there are very few things i've had to punish in a negative way there's been there's been bad behavior it doesn't get rewarded right and the celebration of the effort that leads to the good behavior is something that they both really this has been more i mean i, I would say in the last six to 12 months has been the first time where i've put my foot down on bad behavior and saying we don't do this there are only three people that have, like, my youngest, her name's Mia Bella. There's a lot of Mias. 
The middle one is Sophia Rose. The oldest one is Sophia Rose. There's a lot of Sophias. Like, we're the three Epolitos. That's it. That's it. So, like, Mia, if you mess up, like, your sister and I have your name. Like, that needs to mean something to you. And when your sister goes out into the world, like, me and you have her last name. And when I go out in the world, I have y'all's last name. Right. So, I put it on me. Yeah. Like, Dad, like, we expect you to have a certain standard because when you go out in the world, you have our name. Mia, when you go into the world, the expectation should be that Sophia and I are looking at you and being like, hey, and it's not perfection. It's not money. It's not success. It's everything you do will be love, kindness, and respect. And everything is bigger than us. It's interesting you say that. I just realized now my parents, I guess, always perpetuated that in a different way. They always had a saying that like, think about every action or decision you make that that would be posted like on the front page of the newspaper and how would we feel and that kind of does come down to like love kindness and respect right if it's mm -hmm. not one of those three it's going to bring shame embarrassment anger something you know to everybody else who shares that last name i love that perspective so you know one of the things i do love about you in general is how you show up for your girls we have this conversation a lot of dads specifically out there their girls playing sports or doing whatever is like nice, right? Like they just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Now, granted, you don't have a son, but the way they show up for their sons on a, on a field and their daughters a lot of times are completely different. For sure. And I love that you, it, it, it doesn't matter to you. You have a standard, you have all of these things in place that this is just the way that it is. So on that, let's the other part of the conversation we were talking about. You know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Gianna and, you know, you hit me one time. We were talking about how she's exceptional in math and she struggles sometimes with the reading. And you were like, well, why don't you get her a math tutor? And it like kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, she's in the 99th percentile. Why would I get her a math tutor? And we're like, well, just because she's in fourth grade and can do sixth grade math. Why not college math? Like, why not go all in on that? So talk a little bit about that mindset. Yeah, I it's not it was not an original thought. I stumbled across a TED Talk when they used to actually be real things, not like what they are now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't even know if the girls were born yet, honestly. And the guy simply said, in sports, if you're good at one sport and you're mediocre at one sport, what sport do you get the trainer in, the coach in? Yeah, the good one, right? Yeah. The good one. Yeah. And in school, if you're good at a subject and you're mediocre at a subject, what subject do you get the tutor in? when you're mediocre in yeah why and i was just i was so blown away you need to be efficient you need to have a certain level of competency but why educationally do we bring everybody up from the bottom now granted what we do better than the rest of the world is we educate our masses go to any other country the bottom, they don't get educated. Yeah, they don't get it, right? So we do that better than anyone. And we do university better than anyone else. All right, so the rest of the world, they all come to the U.S. for university. But the rest of the world educates their youth at a higher level way better than us. And so I was, I was on the advisory board of this boarding school in D.C. for about a year and a half. I just watched how these elite, these world elites all educated their kids. They're perfectly okay with, with competency in a certain subject. They found their child's strengths 
and they went all in on those strengths and it just made sense. I don't need her to be, I don't need her to go from a C to a B in Spanish. Clearly Spanish isn't where she's going to be excelling in life. But if she's making a 95 in math, if that was baseball, I would be like, hey, play up an age bracket. Let's go find a better team. Yep. Right? So play up an age group in math. And it, I don't know why it just made it made so much sense. So I remember telling myself, like, we're going to commit to this. We're going to be okay with this. As I've gotten older and it's actually started to kind of play out a little bit, I've been like, I've really had to catch myself because we're just naturally trained to bring everything up. Yeah. So the, the rules in our house with education, and look, my house was a house where like you only made straight A's in my house. Like you did not make a B. It, you did not make a B if, if you wanted to eat. So like, again, like I was, you know, threatened into my straight A's. So I've told the girls, look, if you have a test and you don't ask me for help, the expectation is that you know everything, then A is all that is allowed, period. If you don't ask for help, that means that you knew it. If you know it, you need to execute on it. Mm -hmm. Spelling test, vocab test, expectation, hundreds. You should never miss a spelling word. You should never miss a vocab word. You just didn't do the, you just didn't put in the effort. Some things don't click. Like even some of the, some of the social studies and some of their science stuff, like I'm like, I don't even want to read this. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Some of it they get really, really into. And so as long as you ask for help, um, then we'll work together on it. And, but I can tell where they get passionate about certain things. And I'm all about doubling down where they're good at. Yeah. I'm like, you're into it, let's go. Let's do more. Um, they both really love math, which is great, because I, I did too. And so it, it aligns, luckily. Sophia loves to read. Dude, I hate reading. I can't stand it. <laughs> I read all, which is funny. I read all day, but I do not like front to cover books. I'll, I'll read for hours, but I have to have a, I just have to have the constant changing, switching, man, just that sit and read thing. I don't have it. Neither is my youngest. I'm like, all right, Mia, we'll find a different type of reading for you, but you got to read, but we got to figure out what the different type is. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm, I'm huge on doubling down on their strengths. Also, like when they get out of school, like let's find out what you're gonna like, what you love. Yeah. yeah, I don't believe in I don't believe in chasing passions. It's a great way to end up broken life. Like, find out what you're great at, double down on it, and then find out the things that you're good at, what you enjoy the most. Right. So if it's your passions or hobbies, and you should keep them there. If you only do things that you're very very good at, but you hate doing, you're, you're gonna depress and miserable. So find out the thing that you're really great at that you also enjoy. And the sooner you find it, you know, life pays you back faster with that one. Yeah. So go do it. I want, I want my daughters to to chase that more than anything else. Yeah, yeah it's super, super interesting because um, I, I have the same mindset as you. My uh, two sons are three and one. Um, so I've actually, you know, with my wife, have been discussing potentially homeschooling. Um, and the reason why is, you know, to your point, we ha- they have social studies, math, you know, every subject, right? And, you know, th- say they don't like doing math or whatever. They still have to sit in that classroom for an hour or whatever and learn math, mm-hmm. which they should, right? They should learn it. But, you know, also to your point, like if we see 
and we're homeschooling around a curriculum that, you know, nowadays it's so easy with online. They have curriculums that you can get. Mm -hmm. There's ways to connect with other homeschooled parents and everything in the area and, and all that. But you can double down on what, you know, what your child is good at, like you sure. said, um, and what they like doing while still, you know, you're still going to cover math and everything. But like, you know, also your point at the end of the day, I don't like use I mean, I use math and stuff, but like I'm not using algebra. I'm not using, you know, geometry. I'm not using history. I mean, I know, but, yeah, you know, I'm not using it like daily. <laughs> so like, you know, finding what that is for your, your kid, doubling down and then being the teacher, we could focus on that more. Yeah. You know, so it's still me something me and my wife are, are discussing. But the reason we're discussing that is really a, a lot to your point. Yeah, I think with elementary school. There's still advantages of now minor. They're in a they're in a private school setting. Um, to keep things out of school that I don't think are school topics. Mm -hmm. Middle school, I, middle school. I really agree with you. I've even seen it with my oldest now. Like I'm not a believer in homework. You have, you have, yeah. you have my kid for seven hours. Yeah, figure I don't, it out. I don't. You posted something about that, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. I don't it's, send. It's not our job to spend. You know, we get what two three hours a night with our kids. So yeah. my my so Sophia. She stresses out, man. She wants to make a hundred and everything. She wants to be the mo the best at her sport. You couldn't ask. You couldn't ask for a better kid. Yeah, I sure. was so blessed with her. It's it's ridiculous. So she was upset because she didn't finish her homework last night. She had three hours of cheer last night. And she she said, you know, they're gonna say that, you know, sports are take up too much time. And I said, So do I send you to school and ask them to let you practice? Do I give you yeah right? <laughs> do I give you sport work to take to school? Yeah. She goes no. I said look. Twice a week you have big nights. Fridays is you know separate and twice a week you do a lot of school work. You came home you did your work. We also have some family time. Again I only have them half the time. Sure. So I, I will be happy to speak with your teacher because you did do work. Excuse me. You did do work. You did study. I know you'll do anything that you might have missed, either at school or the next night. You have the kids for seven hours. Like, there are definitely instances where homework is important. My youngest daughter had a religion test. We studied for it last night. So it was also a lot of fun studying for tests. So yeah. think about how tests are made. Tests are made. Like, teachers aren't coming up with, or, like, with unique tests. Like, yeah, right. Tests come from the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got really excited last time. I'm like, all right, man, I'm gonna teach. I'm gonna teach you how to study for a test. I didn't. What I didn't tell. I'm not gonna teach you how to learn the material. I'm gonna teach you how to study for a test. So it had like it was like these. It was like these four pages that were out of a textbook. And I said, we're studying for a test. We're not learning material. Big difference. Tests in school are all about the test. They're not asking you who knows the material the best. Yeah. It's who answers the question the best. I'm gonna teach you how to find. And I just do this in school. I figured out how textbooks were written. Like I just figured out where tests came from. And so we walked through these sheets last night. I had way more fun. She probably thinks I'm a lunatic. <laughs> and I told her how to like study for a test. I can't wait to see what her grade is. Just because I know you can just tell, like looking at a third grade worksheet. I'm like, this is, they're gonna ask you this question, they're gonna ask you this question, they're gonna ask you this question, they're gonna ask you this question. I said, study these sections. And she did. I'm like, just do it again. 
And so that I'm actually excited about teaching them how to find answers in life, deductive reasoning, all right, intuitive. That's super applicable to the world. I do not like memorization, regurgitation. I hate that. Yeah. That's most of schooling. But then you forget about it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's put together a pro let's put together a process that's gonna help you. And look, if we get it wrong, maybe we get it wrong. But I I mean, I went, I went to college, what was it? It was supply chain management 301. I made this bet with myself. I didn't, I went to the very first day of class and the very last day of class. And the class had five tests, each were twenty percent. And I played a game with myself. I'm like, I'm not gonna go to class once and take five tests and see what I get on them. <laughs> because I knew where all the answers were. Made it 88, I'll never forget it. But if you figure out the process in life, you get to a lot of answers. And so that was actually kind of fun last night. I was like, hey, how do you get this? But with Soph, I'm like, Soph, stop freaking out about it. Like, I'll, I'll email her, I'm happy to. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not doing this two, three hours of homework and I think. Yeah. Just not gonna do it. And I told the girls, look, your grades, they mean nothing until they do. And when they do, we will get what we need to so you can get where you want to. You become addicted to the process. So like, for example, we, we write out our goals every three, six, nine, 12 months, we write out our goals. And then we write out the process it will take to achieve them. And then we erase the goal. That's awesome. Process is all that matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just that simple. Just get addicted, obsessed. And it applies to everything. They're cheered, they're soccer, the lacrosse, the basketball. They're doing uh, the drums, the violin. Um, it applies to every single thing you do. So, yeah. My man. Let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. We got a little deep. Let's jump into the business side of things mm -hmm. as well. So for those who are watching us on YouTube, you can see the, uh, the Who's the AI shirt. But if you don't uh, and you're listening to the audio, why don't you tell us what is Who's the AI? What is AI in general? Everybody, right? <laughs> oh, it's man. like this big. Let's go down that wormhole for a minute. Dude, who's the, who's the AI is the guy you had next to you in class that slid you the answers. <laughs> Just now it's not going to get you suspended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Right. But, so look, so when you had that guy in class, right? Yeah. Some people thought that he was either either a loser, probably was a drug dealer. You know, he was some, he was a nobody. Yeah. If you were like me, I didn't do drugs, but I knew who he was. I'm like, you guys got, like, you got some value in life. Let's figure this out. And I'm like, the answers he slid me were always right. I don't know what he slid everybody else. <laughs> you can leverage things in life or you can just take advantage of them. Um, you can just, you know, you quote unquote, use them. It's exactly how AI is, man. Everyone that's gone on a chat GPT right now to leverage AI, they're doing it all wrong. They're, ask, they're treating it like it's Google. They're saying, hey, you know, um, they're either asking it a question or they're asking it just to do something for them. And it starts and stops right there. They're not doing anything else with it. It's like, no, this is the smartest guy who, this is the smartest dude ever sitting next to you. Like, don't ask them. Like, we work with a lot of real estate agents. And they're like, oh, I use it for my property descriptions. Well, did you mean that you told them what kind of house it was and, and it wrote you a description? So that description is like everybody else's? Or did you have a conversation with it? Hey, I want to write a, I want to write a property description for this kind of property. What are some things I should be thinking about? Oh, you should be thinking about that. Da, 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 da. Okay. And I'd like to attract this kind of buyer. You know, do you think this is the right kind of buyer, you know, with this kind of price point in this area? Da, 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 da. Okay. What are some things I should be, I should be thinking about in my product, in my property description for this kind of buyer, this kind of buyer? 
da 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 Okay, can you help me write a property description looking for this kind of buyer and this kind of house? Yeah, da 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 So then you read it. Okay, could you write it in a different tone? Most of the people that look at these product descriptions are women, and I want to make sure that this is in the tone. That's how you interact with AI. You have a conversation with it. You learn from it. It's a two-way, you know, uh, it's a two-way conversation. So that's where a lot of people are just getting AI wrong. On with Huzi, so we built a a chat GPT of sorts, but it's built on top of chat GPT. So I spent my entire career in the technology industry. Um, and then in the last four years, I started my own business because I used to travel a ton. And as Justin knows, I don't miss things. It's like I'm in my daughter's lives everywhere I can be. And I don't want to travel the way I used to. And so, but I know how the platforms are built. I know how technology is built. And I know how content gets created. I know how content gets consumed, which has led into the, the content creation business. Huzi is a natural language model, but it was built on top of ChatGPT, meaning our, our baseline is ChatGPT. So at minimum, you would interact with us, our platform, Huzi.ai, the exact same way you would ChatGPT. We've, at, we've added other contextual layers. So for example, we've added what we call co-pilots. You could ask it a question th through the lens of a CEO, through the lens of leadership, through the lens of supply chain, through the lens of marketing, through the lens of sales, through the lens of HR. So it's not going to answer these questions as a, an executive in these lines of business would do it. We've also added, I think it's over two or 300 business books. So if you were to say, hey, what is a blue ocean strategy for this uh, for this company? Yes, it could reference that book if you ask it to for ChatGPT. Huzi will reference the top 300 books and pull as it's needed, asking different questions about different things. So that right there makes it um, significantly different. And then the third thing that we've done that's very that I think is uh, makes us stand out is. Nobody knows how to ask another question. It's called prompt engineering. You, no one had ever heard that phrase six months ago, prompt engineering. So how are you, you going to be proficient in it? You're not. So after you ask Hoosie a question, we will suggest what your next three prompts maybe should be. So we, we prompt you to keep that conversation going. So you ask it a question. I would say 95% of people stop right there. They get their answer, they go. Mm -hmm. And so we'll simply ask you a question on what you should ask next mm. just to get better and better answers. Because the, the goal of AI should be not to become more efficient. It should be to be the best version of yourself you can be. You should, the goal should be proficiency. How do I become the absolute best real estate agent, the best mortgage broker, the best podcast host, the best whatever, fill in the blank. It shouldn't be how can I, you know, automate my email replies? How should I do email marketing? Like, do you, you realize that everyone's email marketing is just going to all sound the same? If everybody yeah. asks ChatGPT the exact same question, it's going to give everyone the same answer, which means your, e your email marketing in six months, your SMS marketing is going to all look the same. And so that's what Huzi does. You know, we've launched in the real estate space first. Um, you know, our co-founders are deep, deep, deep in that space. Um, and we've met with some of the biggest brokerages in the world already. We've already met with um, the executives at EXP building models for those brokerages and so that the model will think 
can act like a realtor. Well, like the brokerage would. Mm. And so they want their realtors, they want their their brokers, <clears throat> you know, thinking a certain way. We've also developed, you know, smart documents. So imagine, like, I actually did this did this with my divorce documents. I uploaded all my divorce documents, then I would ask who's he questions about my documents. Right. Imagine getting proposals mm. uh, or, or contracts, um, and then you could upload them, and then you could ask the platform questions about, about, about this contract. Is this a good offer? What questions should I ask? You know the other broker about this offer. What's a good counter offer? So actually mm. interacting with the documents as your baseline. Um, we've had a lot of positive feedback with that. And then really in the real estate transaction, there's just so many things that happen in the transaction. All the dates. I mean, you know this. All the all the stuff. So imagine having a, a smart document that had all of your dates, everything that needs to happen, and it's really your assistant working alongside you, but it's your AI assistant. And so it's called, it'll be, you know, who's the transaction manager. And it's literally uploading all of your closing documents. Wow. And that's the response we've gotten. It's been, I'm not in real estate. And so I'm, I view all of this just from the, the tech perspective. Right. I'm, I'm finding problems. I want to answer them. Mm -hmm. And that's been the reaction. Every single person who has looked at what we're building, which is about a month away, is like, you pay a lot incredible. of money for a transaction coordinator, you know? Uh, well, so imagine that. Exactly. So you got a person doing it. You're paying them 40, 50K a year. And, if, and then on a bigger <laughs> and then on a bigger aspect, like a brokerage, you've got, you got either, multiple. <laughs> you've multiple or you're bringing in these services. Yeah, that's doing it on the, right. Like a transaction fee or something yep. else. And those fees are crazy. Yep. Yep. yep so yep. we can literally cut the fees by 70%. Hmm. And it's just by document we would charge. Uh, you would need one person managing basically the entire platform. And everyone's response has been yours. And I'm over here like I, I'm very, the thing that I bring to the table with this team is I'm very agnostic to like, I don't, I care about like, do we have a problem? Do we have a problem in the industry? Great. Do we solve that problem in the industry? Great. Who has that problem? Are they willing to pay for it? Awesome. Let's go to market strategy. Right. I don't care about emotions. I don't care about feelings. Nothing with software. It is very. Cut and dry. It, when, if In that way, right? I yeah. need industry experts that are going to be touchy feely. You know, like we're doing meetings today and tomorrow up in Portland, Oregon, and uh, those are our industry experts. They're very touchy feely. They're asking all the questions. And I'm, like, I'm like the worst way. guys in that room. I'm like, I couldn't care less. <laughs> Discovery face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> but I, I have to be just very, very matter of fact on great problem solution. How many people have that problem? What are they willing to pay? Awesome package. Go to market charging. What's the differentiator? Why us? Why does that matter? Yeah. So yeah, it's figure out, you know, why you, why does that matter? And then staying super focused on who else has that problem and going and finding them. Like I'm very direct to my sales approach with the software. Like I don't mind, I don't mind putting some tension on people, like uncovering the problem, pressing on that problem. It's like being a doctor. Search until it hurts and then apply pressure. Yeah. It's kind of always in my very, very specific sales approach. I did it to Justin for I don't know how long with his, with his content. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, a perfect transition to my last question. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the part you're helping me with and I'm learning a ton mm -hmm. from you. So what little gems can you give folks? What are people doing wrong with their social media? Why don't we just, why don't you give them that? What right What are there. the biggest, like, <laughs> this is where you're messing up. Because so you're very good at doing that to me. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, there's there's three different kinds of people with social media, right? So there's people that we both know that I'm trying to close. You know, that person's got an audience. They're making content. It just sucks and needs to be better. So I know exactly how to help that person. There's people that are, that are, that are trying. Um, that's Justin. But you don't have an audience. We got to build your audience. Mm -hmm. 
And then there's people who aren't doing anything at all because they, for there's a, there's a bunch of reasons why. So if you're in the business world, you got to hit record and you got to go. Yeah. You have to do that. And what's funny is in the business world, we're not worried about looking like a fool. We just know that everyone in our day-to-day life, you know, the soccer coach and the PTA mom and our friends, they see social. Yeah. So now they're judging us. Yeah. Like, look, dude, other people's opinions about you aren't your business. Right. Bottom line. I was in your 20s, you care about what everyone thinks. In your 30s, you don't care about what anybody thinks. In your 40s, you realize that no one cared in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> so, so, like, true. stop. Yeah. Hit yeah. record. Mm-hmm. Go stand in your best self and go do it. The second thing I would say is, is when it comes to content, you've got three seconds. So everyone who starts their content may say, like, you know, my name is Justin Deal, and I'm with – I'm down. Yeah. I don't care what your name is. I don't care who you're with. You have three seconds to tell me why I should stay. If I stay, then you cut to my name, Justin Deal, with Payday, Player Solutions, blah, 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 blah. You have three seconds. Or the whole, like, everyone's been asking me. No one's been asking you anything. I hate to tell you this. Like, I don't – question I get all the time is you don't get any questions. Just you – all that has to get cut out. And it, people are like, well, I want to keep – I want to hold them until the end and then give them the value. No, no, no. Your best three seconds is your first three. Period. End of story. You have to do that. And it's no, and it's no uh, mystery. You got to be consistent. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this on the on the viral content. There's all of this like, well, the platforms like this and the algorithms like that. It, no, no, no. That's all not true either. All platforms like one thing. They want you on your platform, their mm-hmm. platform, and they want if your content will keep people who were already on the platform on your content. They like that. But even better is if your content can bring somebody who's not on the platform to it. Meaning if I send you, you know, if I'm scrolling and I see something and I send it to you, like all that crap I send you every day anyways, they love that, right? Because that means that you weren't currently logged in, but you might see my message and then you might go watch that piece of content. They love that. They want people on the platforms. It is the only thing that matters. They, there might be some trending audio and the platforms know that people are into this audio, they might push it. That last, you know, you should always make something around the trends just to take advantage of the waves. Mm. You know, so that's not like a giant overarching strategy, but, you know, play with it. But it's super simple. Like, and then the last thing is authenticity. It just really, really matters. And what the bummer is is that you're going to be judged locally and you will get notoriety nationally. Mm. It's like mean, Jesus. Well, right? I mean, he was just a carpenter in his town, right? He was the carpenter's son. And then he, and he, was, he was also a judge. Yeah. You know, I joke, everyone's talking about, you know, uh, this whole trend right now about like, well, you know, hey, do you study the Roman Empire? You seen this? Yeah, thing? I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get yeah, it either. I've seen it. I'm like, <laughs> I must be old. I actually don't get it either. <laughs> so the, the joke is that a lot of dads, I myself included, the, it's like wives asking their, their husbands, like, hey, do you know much about the Roman Empire? And it's like, oh, yeah, I actually know a lot about it. Like, you know, guys, we have this ram, random knowledge about Where stuff, did it right? come from, though? I don't like, I, I don't, I don't, it, that's just, what I'm got, it just took off because it was kind of funny. So I think, huh. you know, <laughs> one wife saw it and then like, oh, I'm going to ask my husband this. Okay. Um, Interesting. There's some, there, there's a lot of details with like why that went viral. But my point though, is that like, you know, there's a lot of people who know a lot about Roman history that don't know Jesus. And the irony is that like one kind of killed the other. It's like, yeah. it's kind of hard to not know Roman history, but not know who he is. Uh, but, but I mean, being authentic though, like, like 
I've got, you know, we both know people. Like I've gotten judgment from people locally because they might be like, oh, you know, he's doing this on social and he's doing that on social. It doesn't matter because the people that it's supposed to reach, it's going to reach. Right. So for every one person that judges you locally, my inbox is full of people that say, hey, thanks for sharing this message. So be authentic. Your first three seconds really, 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 really matter and hit record. You'd be stunned at what happens. Love it. For everything else, at Carl Polito, follow me online. Hey, that's right. We'll have you plugged in. And then, Ty, why don't you, why don't you finish off with your question? Yeah. So ask every guest this. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give us one failure that you've had in your life, you know, whenever, business, however you want to go with it, um, and the biggest kind of lesson, you know, that you took from it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my, my, my marriage, without a doubt. Mm. Um, you know, I was d- divorced after two, almost, not even three years of being married. Um, there wasn't any infidelity. There was no abuse. Uh, we were super, super unhappily married. And we could have taken steps to save our marriage. We, not her, not I, we didn't. Tons of exterior, external factors. But when I look back, and she probably wasn't my person. I think that was me making a decision. wasn't God's will for me. I mean, I really wanted it. I think she really wanted it. But... We, looking back, didn't do what it would have taken. And we have created a very stressful life for our daughters. We have made our lives very stressful. Abuse aside, that's different. That matters. Mm -hmm. Take care of your house. Take care of your house. Sit your spouse down, ask them what's going on. And actually care. Like they could tell you anything in the world and it wouldn't matter because what you're actually looking for is them to share it with you. And that's from, that could be something from you're fat and out of shape, whatever it might be. I mean, infidelity happens because people are looking for something they're not getting at home. Now, should they communicate it? Of course they should have. You also didn't create an environment where they obviously felt safe. And yeah, I mean, my life is way harder because of that divorce. Have I learned? Sure. Will my next wife be the benefit of all those things? Sure. You know, are my daughters flourishing? Sure. Bottom line, though, is that like it was a massive failure. Massive. I did plenty of things that led to it. Take care of your house and actually care about the answers. That's what I'd say. It's awesome. Man, that's a mic drop right that there. That is right like there. That, Jeez. Man. Take that to the <laughs> bank. Yes, sir. Well, shit, if you don't, your divorce will. <laughs> oh, that's, I, was just, I didn't want to say that. I was just saying it's Through something that. <laughs> you, you learned a lesson and are continuing to pay for it. But, you know. <laughs> I think that's uh, well. It was said at this point. So what are we gonna do? Well, that was. I mean, friends, what an episode! I feel like there's a lot of gems from that for you to run with. Um, so we appreciate you being here with us as always. And make sure, as Ty would tell you, YouTube, like it, hit the little bell thing. You're gonna follow Carl. You'll see all of his stuff as well. So make sure, friends, engage and let us know. Give us feedback. Who would you like to see? What would you like us to talk about on future podcasts? So as always. Make the best day ever, y'all. Best day ever.